This is Rhetoric in Retrospect. I'm Max, and I'm joined today by my compliments, Ben and David. In this episode, we will discuss the book, Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion. I forgot the book title for a second there. <laughs> so, so <laughs> have you guys ever taken a grocery store sample? Uh, well, I, I must confess, my family and I have eaten a whole dinner at Costco. <laughs> it, it, I think that, I think we've eaten <laughs> we've eaten quite a bit at BJ's. So, oh, oh yes, yes. B- BJ's too. I'm not sure if we've ever eaten a full dinner at BJ's, but Costco. Oh yes, their chocolates and their juices. Oh, and, and their meat. It, it was it was a full five course meal. It was delicious. I mean, and we got the grocery shopping done at the same time. I mean, win win. Manipulate yes. Costco to your heart's content. <laughs> many people fall victim to the trap of free samples, but as many people have advised, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And in this episode, I will, dis- I will, I will show you. I will show you the truth is that those free samples aren't free. <laughs> oh no! And that, and that it's a, it's a, a scheme. The scheme of reciprocity that is going, that is attempting to, um increase the chances that you'll buy a product simply because you uh because the grocery store gave it to you for free thus you're indebted we'll talk more about that uh, th- yes the, the podcast will educate you on the podcast yeah is that, yeah is that your main <laughs> yeah. your main your main point yeah, your yes, main, yes. yeah. So is that the podcast will educate you on all the on the most powerful schemes that um people that, that large companies will use in order to try to get you to separate your money from your wallet. Yes. Yes. You know, I actually got, I actually got hit by a reciprocity. You can, you can put this in later. Uh, yes. I actually got hit by a reciprocity uh, attack, I suppose. Oh, I See, remember. Most, most reciprocity attacks are subtle and in and, and, and consuming. And it's, there's, it's about, it's relying on kindness, right? Uh, with this guy, like, he must have not have, been having a good day because he really went in there. Were Were you there, Ben? No, I think you told me about it though. Yes, and so we were walking through the streets of New York, and this guy comes, and he comes up to my family, and, they, and then he puts bra- bracelets on us. He says, "Oh, it's a gift from me to you." And we say, "Oh, thank you." What a kind man. And we start walking, and he says, "No, no, 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 no. Those those bracelets they, they cost five dollars each." And we said, "Wait a second. I thought you said." And so we start give, we start taking that off because of course we're not gonna spend five dollars for some random bracelet. And then he says, "No, no, 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 no! It's a gift from me to you." And then, and then we say, we start walking away again. He says, "No, no, it costs five dollars." We're like, we just, we just yeah, took him off and gave him to and walked away. Gift. That's yes. the uh, that same thing happened to me when I was with my family. I think I believe we were in New York, and the, the this lady just like grabbed my hand or something. Like I was walking by, and oh. she she must have grabbed my hand because the next thing I know, she was piling bracelets on. <laughs> on my hand and on and putting a necklace on me and i was so confused <laughs> i i just stood there and i was very very confused anyways yes and i'm sure they asked for for money afterwards <laughs> yeah the, she held out her hand and i was i i was so confused in the moment it was uh, it was yeah oh, something yes. they've got the schemes down pat yes and- it's it's a it's a, a tactic used on unsuspecting tourists. I thought it's sort of an insult because they they suspect that you're uh, that you're vulnerable and that you're uh, you can be you can be easily swayed. Um, but but, but I don't 
after listening to this podcast, you shall not be easily swayed. Yes, for, we shall yeah. teach you the the wiles of of the those schemes and how to avoid them. Yes, yeah, so it's actually it's a common scheme where basically uh, the uh, this happens a lot, especially in other tourist countries, that somebody will drive up to you in a car and they say they say uh, I need I need a loan really fast. I need like fifty bucks. Uh, you know. And they, of course, they're dressed very, they're dressed smartly. And they say, you know, you know, I'll give you my precious ring as, as, um, as, uh, collateral. Uh huh. And, and you'll give me a loan of 50, of $50, right? And they say, oh, it's a, it's a great ring. It was given to me by my grandmother. You give me your $50 and they just drive off. And you find out later that the ring is worthless. Yep. But we can cut that out because and, it's not necessarily about reciprocity. And, and <laughs> actually, we'll, we'll talk about more about our email at the end and how you should send us things at our email and tell us what you thought about this episode. But um, in, in our email, we got some, some unsolicited emails as well in our junk mailbox um, asking, um, please, please email us for, for a chance at much money and give us $7,500 and, and as a loan because XYZ and there's all these there's there's these schemes we'll, we'll give you money just just lend us a bit now it, it's similar to the reciprocity thing so you'll learn about that and more in this episode mother turkeys are good mothers they spend time tending warming protecting and caring for their chicks but there is something odd about their method <laughs> the turkey's maternal instinct is triggered by one thing the cheap cheap noise made by her chicks if a chick makes the cheap cheap noise the mother will protect and care for it but if not, the mother will neglect or even kill it. The reliance on this method is of is of distinguishing friend the reliance on this method of distinguishing friend from fro. The reliance on this method of distinguishing friend from foe was demonstrated by ethologist M. W. Fox. Ethology is the study of human animal Ethology is the study of human behavior. <laughs> okay, I thought it's Ethology is a study of animal behavior, if you didn't know. Polecats are natural enemies of turkeys, and polecats are met by turkeys with attack. Such was demonstrated by M.W. Fox when he pulled a stuffed polecat by a string towards a mother turkey. The mother responded as a good one should by attacking the stuffed polecat. However, when the stuffed polecat was carrying a recorder playing the cheep cheep sound, it was not only accepted by the mother turkey, but treated to the same, but treated to the same care as one of her chicks. The mother turkeys have a motherly behavior tape that. Uh, so yes, the the author of Influence: The Psychology of Persuasion draws a parallel between the behavior of motherly tur of mother turkeys and a tape recorder. Um. He says that mother mother turkeys have a motherly behavior tape that gets played whenever mother turkeys hear the cheap cheap noise of their of their young. And I guess I suppose this is sort of a mind palace, like hmm. David was talking about. Wait, how? What? Because integration, one thing gets pinged and and it sends out the wires to the other. And oh, well, yes, is that, th is that this is what usually happens? Is that inside their brain, inside the the turkey's brain is. Is a little tape recorder, and then the the play button gets pressed. The, the inside the tape recorder is a motherly behavior tape, and then whenever they hear the cheep cheep noise, the tape gets played back, and they they um they are motherly, and so and so uh, people take 
hearing the story, you might take great glee at the fact that such something as rudimentary as turkeys can be so easily wild and hoodwinked. Um, they will accept their natural enemy based on something as simple as a sound cue, something as simple as cheap, cheap. However, as uh, Cialdini will demonstrate in Influence Psychology Persuasion, <laughs> humans are not so different. The book educates and informs the readers about tapes and triggers in human behavior, and it will not only teach you how to activate the tapes, how to trigger them, but also how to avoid having them be triggered. So weapon, this is chapter one, Weapons of Reasons. A well-known principle of human behavior says that when somebody asks us to do, some, do us a favor, we will be more successful if we provide a reason. People simply like to have reasons for what they do. Uh, Langer demonstrated this unsurprising fact by asking a small favor of people waiting in line to use a lab library copying machine. Excuse me, I have five pages. May I use a Xerox machine because I'm in a rush? The effectiveness of this reason request plus reason was nearly total. 94% of those asked let her skip ahead of them in line. Compare this to the success rate to the, can compare the success rate to the results when she made a request only. Excuse me, I have five pages. May I use a Xerox machine? Under those circumstances, only 60% of those who asked, who were asked complied. At first glance, it appears that the crucial difference between the two requests was the additional information provided by the words, because I'm, be, by the words, because I'm in a rush. But a third type of request tried by Langer showed that this was not the case. It seems, it seems that it was not the whole series of words, but the first one, because that made the difference. Langer's third type of request used the word because and then, adding nothing new, merely restated the obvious. Excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the Xerox machine because I have to make copies? The result was, once again, that nearly all... 93% agreed, even though no reason, no new information was added to justify this compliance. So in this, in this introduction to the chapter, Cialdini demonstrates by, by way of, of a, a science experiment conducted that just by saying, but just by giving a reason, a simple reason to, um, just by giving a reason for somebody's, for somebody's request that they wanted to they wanted to skip ahead of, in line in the Xerox machine, that people would comply more, even though there was no logic to the reason. This is the first of many demonstrations of people's tapes that you can play simply by adding a reason. Wait, so what is the connection to all this? What is the... What? What's the point of all this? Oh, I, I didn't... Point of all what? All of what you just said. The, 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 what oh, is the oh, yes, main yes, I have to, I have to say the summary. So, right. Right. so, so in the, uh, this is, a, this is valuable, a valuable test run. But, so in, in the, um, in the science, in the experiment, um, the people, so they were asked the question, can I use a Xerox machine? Um, at first they were asked because I'm, so for, first as a control, they're asked because I'm in a rush. And then most people being sensible, uh, let the person with, a few amount of papers ahead of them in the line. In the second time, they did it without stating the reason, without saying that they're in a rush. And, of course, a dr dramatically lower 
amount of people complied and let people pass in front of them. However, when they said, when they stated the obvious, they, they asked if they could use the, skip ahead of them and use the Xerox machine, the copier, because they had to make copies, the, the number jumped up again once to nearly everybody agreed and allowed them to, to, um, to skip ahead of them and make copies. I, I think that that shows how, whether a good reason or not, uh, us as humans are, I, when we really think about it, not so much in, in an actual debate where we're, we're actively trying to distill the information and reasoning behind something, we can be, we, we can, we can see through the, the sham. We can see because I have to make some copies. Well, that's the obvious that's stated in everything. Why should that make me any more compliant? But I think that when we're going out our everyday lives, which we're not devoting that much thought to, it's an almost automatic process at this point. Our mind is on some something else while we're doing these activities. It's it's an automatic process. When when, we're, when that's happening, when reasons are given, it, it, it seems that this study is showing that us as humans are appealing to reason whenever there's a reason for something. We think of ourselves as rational creatures. When, when there's a reason, we'll do it, even if it's a completely ridiculous reason that's already obvious, just just that word because yes it's the because is the is the the trigger that plays the ta- the tape of compliance with yeah. the request and and that's that's one of many of the um the weapons of influence and it's very valuable to know these reasons because not only can you use them if you're asking if you're making a request you're the person who wants to get ahead of the line in the grocery store this or the copier machine, you can use reasons, but also you can be aware of people when they're being um, unreasonable and using these weapons of influence against you. Yeah. And one of the most powerful ones is uh, well, another another very powerful one is the uh, the weapon of reason of contrast. And so in this example, uh, Cialdini he he talks about the salesman. Um, so, so during across the production of the the book, uh, Influence of Psychology of Persuasion, um, the author he infiltrated many he infiltrated many um, marketing firms, and he became a salesman for very for, for various um, for various companies, and that's how he benef- that's how he gained the the secret information that he puts in this book. And he talks about one salesman who he calls Phil, um, whenever who sold houses, he was a realtor. Whenever he, whenever Phil began showing a new set of customers potential houses, he would start with a couple of undesirable houses. So the company would keep on their lot several rundown houses, one or two of them, um, that had inflated prices, so they were horrible houses. They're they're awful, run down, but they would be sold for a lot more than they're worth, on purpose. So what Phil would do is he would show the he would show the clients these houses, and they would they would all um, they would all be disappointed because they said, "Well, what is this market? That this is what you can get for that much money." And then afterwards, Phil would show them real houses, and in contrast. In contrast to the run-down, expensive houses, the the reason of the the um the real houses looked brilliant. So um this is very common. This is a very common tactic that automobile dealers will use as well to um 
to gain more money in accessories. And so what they'll do... Yeah, yes? Oh, so what if someone's legitimately in a rush, going back to the the one you said before, what if someone's legitimately in a rush and then you're just being ignorant of putting others first? I don't... Uh, we talk about we talk a lot about um, avoiding avoiding the the tactics the weapons of influence later on. I would say I would say just as a rule of thumb. <laughs> but, but people aren't out to get you with their powers of influence. But oh, sure, but they are. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, the, well. So the the library is just a simple example that shows human behavior and how and how people are so easily wild by nonsensical reasons. However, we go we go in depth and a lot more and a lot more potent and powerful reasons. And maybe if somebody asks you this this uh if they can if they can get a, skip ahead of you on a copier line, uh perhaps you will allow them. However, you will be a lot more wary when a salesman com- salesperson comes at you with tactics. And while you may not want to be so wary against ordinary people, you'll definitely be able to detect the schemes and overall marketing influence. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, like, like in the example of the automobile dealers, is that using the auto... The dealers are very well-versed in the weapons of influence, and they use a tactic. They use a tactic of contrast in order to sell you more accessories. So first, they'll strategize on completing the deal on a new car. And then afterwards... Afterwards, they will present you with um, with some additions to the car. And once you've made a $15,000 deal on a car, 100 or so dollars on something like an FM radio or leather seats or an entertainment console might not seem so much because, you know, you just got finished dealing with $15,000. Only a couple hundred or so, which is uh, a fractions, may not seem so significant. Um, and and that's how that's how automobile dealers, uh, Cialdini says, that's how automobile automobile dealers trick you into into buying more attachments to the cars. <laughs> I, I might actually I might actually remove the 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 Xerox machine principle because I already have. Anyways, anyways, the most the, this is this is actually the most powerful. Um, the most powerful weapon of influence. Certainly, uh, the author talks a lot about it. It's called reciprocity. So reciprocity is the idea of... it's Yes, it's the idea of indebtedness. Is that, um, as he says, make, mo- make no mistake, quote, make no mistake, human societies derive a truly significant competitive advantage from the reciprocity rule. And consequently, they make sure that their members are trained to comply with and believe in it. Each one of us has been taught to live up to the rule, and each of us knows about the social sanctions and derision applied to anyone who violates it. So the the yes, reciprocity is the idea that if something if somebody does good to you, somebody does a favor to you, that you should do a favor back. And and so and so this is concisely demonstrated in in an experiment. So in an experiment conducted by Professor Dennis Reagan of Cornell University, in which, um, in which a subject was um, who would participate in a study, the, the subject who was participating in the study, 
would rate art would rate yes would rate art alongside another raider who we called Joe, who's only who actually wasn't uh an art an art raider. He was actually Doctor Reagan's assistant. However, he was disguised as he was he was taking on yes he was posing as a fellow student. And so, and so during the experiment, during a short rest period, perhaps lunch, um, Joe would leave the would leave the room for a couple of minutes and then return with two bottles of Coca Cola and say, uh, "I asked the experimenter if I could get myself a Coke, and he said it was okay, so I bought one for you too." And after after all the paintings had been raided and the experimenter had momentarily left the room, uh, Joe would ask the subject, the person he was raiding the art pieces with if they could do him a favor. And he said that he was selling raffle tickets for a new car, and if he sold the most tickets, he would win a $50 prize. And the raffle tickets would were $25 a piece. Um, and in comparison to the circumstances in which Joe would not give um, his fellow art raiders Coca-Cola, uh, he received, he sold much more raffle tickets. Apparently, the the um fellow su- the the test subject the art raider who's um participating in the study after Joe gave them Coca Cola they felt as if they they owed him something and these these subjects would buy twice as many tickets as the subjects who were not given the Coca Cola and the so this this example artfully illustrates it artfully it dem- it simply demonstrates the workings of the rule for reciprocity, and shows how powerful it could be. And so, af- af- this is this is so yes, it didn't matter. It didn't matter how much uh, people liked Joe when they were under the influence of reciprocity. So after the experiment, they would uh, the the experimenter would have people rate how much they liked Joe, uh-huh. and then um, in the circumstances in which Joe didn't offer them Coca Cola. As you one might expect, the number of raffle tickets they caught was in proportion to how much they liked Joe. However, when Joe bought them a Coca Cola, it didn't matter how much they liked Joe; they would buy him the same. Whether whether it didn't matter whether or not they liked Joe, they would buy him this. They would buy the same amount of raffle tickets, which shows that reciprocity was so strong that it overwhelmed how much they liked him. Which normally affects somebody's somebody's decision how many, and how many uh, raffle tickets they'd buy. Yeah. So whether you, whether you realize it or not, the rule of reciprocity is employed in multiple ways in order to extract your money from it, separate your money from your wallets. <laughs> One of the most. <laughs> uh, wait. So what? what uh, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Okay. So so one of the most potent examples is. Um, is the grocery store. <laughs> so when you when you when you enter lo- your local Costco, you're presented with numerous carts and stands with smiling attendants behind them, all whom offer you a sample. When you take the sample, most people find it difficult to walk away and leave the carts behind without pay- repaying the attendant's kindness. There is no such thing as so. Then, which will lead most people to go and buy the advertised. Um, the advertised product. Po- product, yes, the one that they were given a sample of. So when when you take free samples, it's not actually free. 
and um, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And when, likewise, when these grocery stores give away the samples, they aren't. They don't expect nothing in return. They do it because they they have higher success rates in selling their advertised products. So, what is the what is the thing I should take away from that? Is it is it? Everybody's out to get me, and the world is just a big, huge scheme. No, of... no, no. It's simply is that we, we delve we delve a lot more into into the um into combating these these tactics, but just to realize that everyone's not not necessarily that everyone's trying to extract money from your wallet. <laughs> it's that not necessarily people people won't aren't always doing things out of the kindness of their heart i would say it definitely follows for more larger institutions <laughs> rather than rather than yeah simple salesmen but the, the the purpose of educating about these subjects is so that way people can be aware and so people can avoid the tactics so or they, they can use them <laughs> uh, yeah ideally you don't walk away and turn around and apply these to your neighbor but i mean I don't think that any of us can say we enjoy being manipulated. I, I don't think that's something any of us can say. And this sort of combat, it, it, it's giving us the tools to evade intentional manipulation. And I think, having read this book, I think that a lot of the the concepts are just something that we do between friends tuned down, like reciprocity. Yes, you're going to repay you're you're gonna do be kind to your friends and family and such right that doesn't mean that you are out to get and manipulate your friends and family it's just that when these usual acceptable and excellent cues are taken out of context and applied in nefarious ways i think it's sort of teaching us to notice when they're out of context and being used in nefarious ways and to know when our our pre-programmed um society ha- has told uh, uh, be um be able to evade the the click word the the tape roll whenever we see these things in front of us so so seek out or not seek out what what's the word watch out and put up your defenses for p- those who might be using generosity for exactly. their own devices like, or not devices but yeah. their own yeah and and like Max said, particularly with big corporations, a lot of small small businesses don't use this. But the big corporations have crunched the numbers and said, "Oh, look it. Well, it it seems that we make we we get a lot of people attracted to our product when we do X Y Z, and so let's do X Y Z, and that's usually manipulative." So, but it's also strategy for the company. Yes, exactly, uh, would you precisely. would you not do that if you were in the company? Oh oh I I I, I well. I would like to think I wouldn't, but I probably would. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. And, and this is this this tactic of of reciprocity is employed not only in free samples, but is also seen in in politics in the form of law rolling, and which basically goes along the lines of if you vote for my bill, I'll vote for yours, or perhaps in extreme circumstances, even including including the some of the opposition's principles in your bill in order to add incentive to them for for um add incentive to to voting for on, on your bill um reciprocity is is a powerful is a very powerful tool because it enforces unwanted debts 
people are compelled by by society and society. I can't say society with a straight face. When when somebody pays you, there's a societal standard that. Yes, there's a societal standard that when somebody pays you kindness, you're indebted to them. You, you, it's necessary that you pay it back, and it, the feeling is is very very strong, and we see it all the time, and in the form of, you know, people, people, uh, sending Christmas cards to other people, even if they haven't seen them in a very long time, they'll send them back a Christmas card because, you know, you know, they they were paid the kindness of receiving a picture of one's children and they must return the favor and it, it exists a lot more than than one than one would think um the, the powerful thing about reciprocity is when it's used as a tool for leverage is that you don't define what is done to you to put you in debt and oftentimes you don't define what you must do in order to repay that debt in like the free samples, they decided voluntarily that they were going to give you a small portion of their product, and that their expectation to you is that you're going to buy something in order to repay that debt, and and so and so yes, reciprocity is a very powerful tool, and that you should you should always you should now now that you're educated on it, hopefully you'll be more aware of its dangers. So they're essentially well, well, going beyond. Uh, I scratch my or you scratch my back. I scratch yours. It's uh, they're the the with the whole free sample thing. They're guilt tripping you into yeah to buying. Okay, that, I can see that. That, uh, that that's a good. Word. I, I haven't heard that word applied to it before. But yeah, guilt tripping you, uh, and yeah, because you don't want to be in debt. And then when people just throw debt upon you then you're oh i have to pay it back but i think that max will tell us later on how we can combat that uh another another so another subcategory of reciprocity is is concession and so that yes there's a second way to employ the reciprocity rule to get someone compl to comply with a request and it's much more subtle it's a much more subtle method in um, the author relays this using a story of his. So he was walking down the street when he was approached by an 11 or 12 year old boy who introduced himself and said that he was selling tickets to the annual Boy Scout circus to be held on the upcoming. <laughs> oh, was that okay? <laughs> I didn't know where this story was going. <laughs> oh, oh it's, it's, it, this is this is hilarious. I, I laughed out loud when I when I read this. <laughs> So the young boy introduced himself and said he was selling tickets to the annual Boy Scout circus to be held on the upcoming Saturday night. And he asked if he would wish to buy any tickets at five dollar piece piece. And um, since the author, the author says that the, one of the last places he wanted to spend <laughs> on a Saturday evening was at the Boy Scouts, he declined. <laughs> so the Boy Scout said, "Well, if you don't want to buy any tickets, how about buying some of our big chocolate bars? They're only a dollar each." And he says in hilarious, in hilarious fashion, I bought a couple, and right away, realizing that something noteworthy happened, I knew that to be the case, because A, I do not like chocolate bars. B, I do like dollars. C, I was standing there with two of his chocolate bars. And D, he was walking away with two of my dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and so we see in this, in this short story, which is quite hilarious, that the Boy Scout 
made a concession. Um, Dr. Cialdini was not indebted to the, the Boy Scout by something given to him. Instead, he was indebted in the fact that the Boy Scout had reduced his request from going to the Boy Scout Circus to buying a chocolate bar. He'd made a concession. And not only... So, and so Dr. Cialdini was indebted by this Boy Scout making a compromise. He was saying, uh, if you don't want to go to the, to the uh, Boy Scout Circus, can you at least spend a dollar? And this also, borrows, uh, this also borrows elements from the contrast principle. So in contrast to paying to spend a Saturday night at a Boy Scout Circus, a dollar for a chocolate bar seems reasonable. This tactic is utilized by labor negotiators in order to, uh, in order to get what they want. In order, yes, uh, is that they begin with extreme demands that they do not actually expect to win, and then they can retreat to uh, seemingly, seemingly reasonable concessions. And it, it would appear then that from the large initial request that. Um, that they were that they're giving up something significant in exchange for accepting a more reasonable demand. Uh, what is a concession? Because what is the definition that you're using of concession? Because I cannot get concession stand out of my mind, and then I'm thinking of the, <laughs> the Latin root of it, and I can't. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I, yeah, I, sh- I probably should add that. Is that? A thing that is granted, and especially in response to demands. Okay. Oh, it, it's the ex- the action of conceding, granting, or yielding something. That that's it. And in this case, pretty much going from a larger thing to a smaller thing. You're you're asked a large favor, and, and you say, "Oh, I can't do that." And you say, "Well, could you do this smaller favor instead?" And you say, "Well, I already denied them the big one, so this is tiny. I'll just do it. I'll buy the chocolate bars or whatever." And it seems as though there's such these, there's these such powerful weapons of influence. How could we ever combat them? However, um, is it when we, when we're given when we're given an offer that we know we, we suspect is probably going to lead up to um, another offer in order to return the payment in order to uh, remove our debt? There there are two options. We could either comply with the requester's wish and do doing so. Uh, succumb to reci- the reciprocity rule, or we could refuse to comply and thereby suffer the brunt of the rule's force upon our deeply conditioned feelings of fairness or obligation, as the author states. And uh, it seems as though that this is a, a lose-lose. We, we either we either <laughs> deny the request, uh, or yeah, we, we, yes, we either accept or we. Um, or we suffer as a result of uh, denying the reciprocity rule. Yeah. And so there, there are two solutions to this, however. Is that um, if you suspect that something may be... Um, if you suspect that something may be reci- reciprocity, it may be leading to a reciprocitous uh, request. Ooh, ooh, that was, that was smooth. What? Wow reciprocitous that was oh i'm glad you're impressed (laughs) (laughs) Um, then then uh then it would um then then the appropriate the appropriate response is to deny this however as i'm sure david it will be quick to point out is that denying all kindness on the basis of the idea that 
uh, that they it may be some some form of secretive harm is is not a good policy to have. Right, then you're just living in paranoia. Yeah. Essentially. Yes, it doesn't work well in theory because you can't tell which actions are mere kindness and which ones are overarching marketing schemes. <laughs> and because and, when you do recognize them as overarching marketing schemes, I mean, you don't feel so bad uh, hoodwinking someone who's out to get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, so then the the second, the the real the best solution, which I believe Gialdini suggests, is that. We should recognize the scheme and deny the retru- the retributive retributive offer. Is that if somebody asks us some for something in return, you just deny them? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Ouch. We are cold-hearted monsters. No. Please don't say <laughs> that was your final word on that. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. He puts it much more kindly. No, no, no. So that's that's basically it boiled down. Yes, yeah, so how to say no. Um, uh, here. here. Here's a direct quote. Another solution holds more promise. It advises us to accept the desirable first offers of others, but to accept those offers only for what they fundamentally are, not for what they are represented to be. If a person offers us a nice offer, let's say, uh, if a person offers us a nice offer, let's say, we might well accept, recognizing that we have obligated ourselves to return favor sometime in the future. To engage in this sort of arrangement with another is not to be exploited by that person through the rule of reciprocation. Reciprocation. Quite the contrary, it is to participate fairly in the honored network of obligation. That has served us so well, so well, both individually and societally, from the dawn of humanity. However, if the initial favor turns out to be a device, a trick, an artifice designed specifically to stimulate our compliance with a larger return favor, that is a different story. Here, our partner is not a benefactor, but a profiteer, and it is here that we should rep- respond to his action on precisely those terms. Once we have determined his, that his initial offer was not a favor, but a compliance tactic, we need only react to it accordingly, uh, accordingly to be free of its influence. So what Cialdini is saying is, basically, if it ends up being a trick, too bad. <laughs> Two, what, wait, wait, two things. <laughs> One, why did you just shift into dictator mode in the middle of what you were saying? <laughs> Two. No, 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 that, that's a direct quote, direct quote. <laughs> why did you put that type of inflection? Anyways. Oh, um, oh yes. <laughs> okay, so... Where does something like natural law that Lewis talks about or uh, love your neighbor as yourself, where does that, 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 that promotion of acts of kindness, how do we live in a society where we're supposed to be always on our guard against these marketing tactics and yet still being kind to one another and offering ourselves up to one another and serving one another? So, so I, I agree with what, with what the author of, uh, influence says on this is that what he's saying in essence is that accept the offers and give people but the benefit of the doubt that when they give you then when they when they offer you a kindness that you should accept it not only with the expectation that you're going to uh re- repay it in the future but also that that they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart if then that this person if it turns out that they're that they that their initial offer was simply part of a scheme in order to get you to um 
to accept a larger request than was initially given, then it is appropriate. Is it appropriate by the rule of reciprocity to deny? Yes, I believe what Cialdini is saying is, is very reasonable, is that, that if somebody ends up to be trying to trick, to swindle you, <laughs> then it is only most appropriate to deny them and not be succumb to and not succumb to the the rules of fairness and obligation but how do you know that somebody is trying to to get you oh because because they'll you'll see the concession or the well, what they ask you to do is a favor that they've given you something and you say oh oh that, that's so kind thank you and then they say oh would you mind doing xyz for me sometimes it's a harmless request but sometimes and, and you're usually able to tell you're you're able to tell that something you, you would usually not want to do, but since this person just did something nice to you, then well, you should do it. But you can, you can tell when it's something. Oh, would you like to buy tickets for X Y Z? Then you can say, oh, they've just given me something in order to get me to say yes to buying these tickets or whatever. And in that case, you can say no, thank you. And you're not really rude at all. It's just you don't have to go with the fl- their flow mm-hmm. is, th- is there some sort of exception for for friends that you oh, know oh, well oh of course but you automatically accept but then if they ask you to do something you're not comfortable with and the only reason you would do it is because they've given you something mm. okay okay yes. paid you off as it were yes he, he's saying that basically if, if they make an unreasonable demand as a result of fulfilling your reciprocity the reciprocity if if they ask for too much then then there is uh there's it is socially acceptable to deny them if it was something you the only reason you would do it was because they already have done something nice for you then don't do it okay i can see that i can see that it it is a fine line to to tread tread yes but it is a good one so i i've i've intentionally left out uh i've intentionally uh, summarized the majority of the details sim- for the simple reason that I want you to read the book. Influence the Psychology of Persuasion is a great book, and I suggest that all of you who are who who have been interested by what has been presented in front of you should go and read the real book. It's it's a great work, and it's one of my favorite pieces of nonfiction I've ever read. Agreed. I shall add it to my reading list. Yes, that's our recommended reading. Uh, redder, uh, yeah, a recom- render, er, recommended reading. I, I suppose the, the amplification for this is, well, we, we've taught you two of some of the most, or th- three? Uh, three, so some, yeah, yeah. Three. Some number of the, the so. most powerful and important concepts that are brought up in the books, in the book singular. So j- just be aware of the three that we've brought up. Go read the book, and then you can learn at the others and how to ev- evade their traps, and I hope that you don't walk away from this episode being uh, paranoid about everyone manipulating you, but you'll be aware of manipulation and know how to effortlessly sidestep it without um, being guilty or committing a social blunder, right? Yes. And for any questions, quandaries, comments, and corrections... You said the thing! Send yes. us an email at rhetoricandretrospect at gmail.com, the email will be in the description this has been max ben david from rhetoric and retrospect signing off signing off bye bye